I am Barrington Brennan, counseling psychologist and marriage and family therapist with your daily relationship nugget. I would be delighted to hear from you, so I invite you to email me at info at soencouragement.org. That's info at soencouragement.org. Or you can text me from anywhere in the world or call 242-477-4002. Let me know how are you enjoying these podcasts and radio programs. One of the most painful ways people emotionally wound other people is by shaming and blaming. To exert their power, parents shame and blame their children more than praise and encourage them. Employers flex their muscles by often shaming and blaming their employers or employees, even in the presence of others. Teachers, when feeling disobeyed by students, find it easy to shame and blame them. All of this shaming and blaming results in anger and at times even violent people community. People who are shamed often usually become enraged people. I call ragers. This power struggle with the tongue is often a competition of who can say the meanest, foulest, and most derogatory things. The truth is that none of the individuals want to lose, and so the virtual war will be an endless brawl, most often ending in physical, senseless confrontation involving real weapons of rocks, bottles, cutlasses, pieces of wood, and sometimes guns. There is no letting go, no giving up. It is a fight to the end. Where does the seed of violence first begin, its generation and its germation? It is the school, the church, or the home, is it any one of them, or all? Typically, rages grow up in an environment of shame-based relationships. Rages were typically shamed or pushed by their caretakers for expressing emotions when they were wrong. Here are examples people are shamed. Be a man and don't cry. Nice girls, don't get angry. Or, I'll give you something to cry about. Or, you are not a good child. Or, I don't know why you are so a worthless fool. End of quote. To fully deal with the violence and power struggle in our communities, schools, businesses, and homes, we must first address the issue at the home. We must first first find ways to teach our parents how to love and not to shame. Perhaps we need a boot camp for parents and their teenagers who use violence and shaming as a normal way of expression. As after much research on the subject, I came across uh, um, social scientist and pastor Thomas F. Fisher, his eight characteristics of shame-based relationships. I will share them with you without any adaptation. Number one, high shame, low self-esteem. Shame-based individuals cannot honor and respect themselves or others. Instead, they are trapped by their self-conscience, their sense of inadequacy, and their defense mechanism, which shield them from their own hypersensitive self-judgmentalism. And then two, 
distorted views of others. With anger too strong and frightening to admit, they tend to protect these feelings outside of themselves. They often make themselves victims by characterizing others as angry, blaming, unfair, aggressive, judgmental, controlling, or mean. Since the victimization needs must be maintained, the hostile or unfair feelings projected toward others tend to remain unchanged. Then number three, distorted view of themselves. Unable to consciously or consciously deal with the shameful awareness, they can and do make mistakes. Shame-based individuals will engage in various self-distortions and denials. They may come in many forms. Perhaps a common manifestation of this tendency towards self-distortion is when they are hard on themselves or when they see themselves as infinitely better than others. Such narcissistic tendencies may move them to over-report the good things they do while under-reporting their failures. Others may not recognize their grandiose tendency toward white lies. Unfortunately, they may not recognize it either. Over time, the grandiose white lie can become the great fish story ever told, or the greatest fish story ever told. As these shame-based individuals believe and live out their phantasmal, grandiose image of themselves, it is no wonder that, in their mind, shame-driven narcissism, they wonder how anyone could do without them. And then number four, motivated by fear. The greater the fears, the greater the need for their mental sensor to protect them from their fears. As heightened fears raise a level of hypervigilance, the increased hypervigilance, hypervigilance requires a rapidly increased defensive hyper-response. And number five, black and white thinking. Closely related to fear motivations is the practice of splitting or assigning people and their behaviors to rigid categories. Yes, no, black, white, either, or, safe, unsafe, good, bad, all are examples of, of what we call rigid categories that they create. When they judge others, others there is no gray area. Nearly always it is all or nothing. Throw the baby out with the bath water, etc. Number six. Enslaved by hyper-self-criticism. Those upon whom the judgmentalisms fall may feel intense guilt. As if it were any consolation, shame-based individuals judge themselves even more critically, mercilessly and unfairly than they do others. As they have been taught, they are either good or bad, perfect or failure, saint or sinner, worth of love or unworthy of love, competent or incompetent, etc. Number seven, fear of abandonment. Being aban abandoned is a fate worse than death. It must be avoided at all costs by behaviors such as people-pleasing, perfectionism, giving in, overextending themselves to find love, putting up rigid boundaries to avoid relationships, and thus abandonment. And then the last point he mentions, loneliness. Shame-based loneliness results from the strict detachment 
which characterize shame-based individuals. This detachment may be seen in the preference for isolation. This isolation can be accomplished by numerous ways of including 1. physical withdrawal, 2. emotional withdrawal, or 3. putting on subtly guarded life-of-the-party facade. If you are a pastor, teacher, community worker, or parent, and you know any teenager who is always angry or responds to disappointment by disagreements or violent ways, look a little closer and see which of these eight characteristics are manifested in his or her life. I do not want you to, to, to stop listening and thinking that, that we are all innocent bystanders who are never violent or mean. Let me share these questions with you that I shared during a seminar some time ago. If you say yes to any of these, you may need some help. 1. Do you think that most people or most of the people you know are stupid jerks who can't do anything right? Are you impatient with the people who wait on you in stores and restaurants? Do you argue with nearly everyone you meet at at some point in your encounter with them? Do you prefer to watch violent action movies and television shows and sometimes secretly wish that you could do the things that the characters are doing? Do you prefer to play with violent action video games, kick the cat, beat the dog, or your children or your spouse, or fantasize about doing those things? Do you think on these things? I am Barrington Brennan. This has been your daily relationship nugget. I am doing my best to keep a smile on your heart.